0: Support comes from Empower Missouri's Week of Action with in-person and virtual advocacy training for affordable housing, criminal justice, and food security initiatives March 25th through 28th. Registration at EmpowerMissouri.org WOA.
1: St. Louis County Executive Steve Stanger believes his last four years in office have brought change and accomplishments. His adversaries on the St. Louis County Council and elsewhere disagree. But on the latest edition of Politically Speaking, we talked to the Democratic chief executive about why he deserves to be reelected and why he's a better choice for Democrats than Mark Montavani. So let's hit the music.
2: This is the Politically Speaking podcast, a candid conversation with the Show Me State's biggest political newsmakers. I'm
1: Jason Merzenbaum.
0: And I'm Joe Manis. That's Eric Greitens, Navy <laughs> SEALs running for governor. And I'm really, really glad to be on with you, Jason
3: and Joe. I'm going to push back
1: After several days in Jefferson City,
0: <laughs> actually a week and a half in Jefferson City, with so just a little break to do my nails. Uh, this is Joe Manis.
1: and joining us, I think, for the fourth time, um, the most powerful local elected official in the region. Yes, I would, think. I would say. I, I don't know. I don't know if you want to compare yourself to the Jackson County executive, but I, I would say you're one of the most powerful local officials in in the world. I don't think of myself in
2: those terms at all. I, I, I I, I'm the youngest of four kids. Yeah. So I think of myself as the
1: baby. The baby. And, the, and by the way, what's your name? <laughs> well, they, Steve Stanger. <laughs> my, my family called me Stevie. So
2: that tells you this, anything. This
0: is a St. Louis County executive. He's a Democrat. St. Louis County is the uh, <clears throat> state's largest county by far. Hence
1: the reason for my... Uh, uh, Nice designation to you. <laughs> By the way, this is the first time all three of us are St. Louis County residents because I have mo- now moved to the county. So what you do now actually affects me. So it's it's great. Well, that's good to, to know
2: you. that you're a constituent. I think uh, you seem like a very reasonable-minded person.
1: <laughs> I just I now now you're just going to do my bidding for, from from now since I am the, an evil genius.
0: But yeah, the, I live in Webster where they're all crazies.
1: So. <laughs> but <Well>, the reason <laughs> we wanted to have I'm you ahead. on again, we had your Democratic opponent Mark Montavani on. I think about two or three weeks ago, I think. Maybe a
0: month ago. Maybe
1: a month ago. And beyond just going tit for tat, we also want you to provide voters of St. Louis County the reason that you should deserve another term. Sure. So I'm, I'm going to give that opportunity to you before we, we, we pepper you with hard-hitting questions of just explaining why you're running for a second term and what you want to accomplish in another four years.
2: You know, that that's really an easy question to answer for me, The the first part of, you know, why am I running? Because it's the same reason why I ran for county council when I ran and I represented the sixth district, which is all of South County. You know, I started uh, a career in public service because uh, I wanted to make my community better. And that it, it was just basic, it, that basic and that simple. And that's why I'm running again. And I think if you look at the results that we have achieved over the last three and a half years, I think that our first term as county executive is a real standout in the history, in the history of St. Louis County. Um, You know, I'd I'd start first by talking about the prescription drug monitoring database that we began uh, just one short year ago. And we already have um, 80% of the state's population now participating in this program, meaning that counties making up 80% of the population have joined our program. We started this program because we found ourselves in the middle of an opioid epidemic. Uh, we have uh, lost quite literally thousands of people in our region to the opioid epidemic, and we needed to do something because the state wouldn't act. So I think we thought innovatively, and we began a local program that was joinable by other jurisdictions, and we encouraged those other jurisdictions to join, which required leadership and, and also um you know coordination and cooperation among those other jurisdictions. So we now, as I said, have 80% of the state's population covered by that. Another transformational, um, just really a transformational matter that uh, that we and, and proposal uh, that we were able to to bring forward was Proposition P. And Proposition P is going to provide a much needed funding source for decades for police in our community. And when you think about what you want your community to look like over the next few decades. You of course want St. Louis County and our region to be a safe place and a place where um, you know police are interacting with our communities and they're doing so with a relationship of trust and, uh, and safety. So Proposition P does just that. You know, the things that we promised are the things that we're delivering with respect to Proposition P, which, of course, was a, was a half-cent sales tax that is uh, police and public safety related. We're adding over 100 police officers to our, to our St. Louis County streets, uh, two officers to a police car. We're increasing diversity in police ranks. We're improving training, and we're adding more equipment like body cameras and dash cams. The reason why the number of police officers are so important is we're able to do community policing. You know, When I came into office, we, were, we came into office at a, at a point where perhaps the relationship between the police and our communities had never been so stressed you know, in the history of St. Louis County. And uh, I think that Proposition P provides, of course, for community safety. It provides for officer safety. It also provided for higher wages so we can retain the best officers and attract the best officers. And that's really important for building trust in our communities because with two officers to a vehicle, officers are able to take part in community policing, which means officers are making their way into the community, getting to know the individuals that they are policing and keeping safe, And a a much stronger bond is built between our police department and our police officers and the communities that they represent. You also have to look at economic development since I've taken office. And uh, we have brought in over $5 billion. I think it's approximately $5.7 billion in economic activity, uh, private investment in our community. And
1: how much of that the Centene building constitutes that? Probably like a fifth, right? It's about
2: 772 million dollars. And if you run down just a brief list of the things that we've been able to bring forward, you know, you're, you're talking about Centene, which is, as we said, 772 million, Pfizer, which is about 200 million, a Monsanto uh, uh, campus that's that's being enhanced. The NGA is in the city, um, that doesn't count into that $5 billion, but we were able to work very closely with the city to have the NGA come here, which which does impact St. Louis County. I just don't have that counted in our numbers. Absolutely. We have a blues facility that uh, that is that is underway that's going to be a training facility for the blues, as well as, and, and the majority of which is actually public ice for, for use by the public, um, youth soccer fields and in, in Creve Corps, worldwide technology, um, did a, a massive expansion out, out in West County. Uh, we've had multiple expansions out in, in North Park, which is North County. And then we've redeveloped, James. you know, we're in the process of redeveloping Jamestown Mall. And we redeveloped Northwest Plaza and turned that into a, really an economic engine for the region. Uh, you know, another historic thing that we did was the, our disparity study. First thing, uh, in the first year, we commissioned a disparity study and uh, that disparity study was completed last year uh, gathered data for years in st louis county uh, completed that study and that study led to uh, our first minority inclusion bill so we had our first disparity study and our first minority inclusion bill all within my first term and that had never been done before and that was st. a louis huge county that history. was
1: as you know that was a big source of contention right before you took office i I know you're going through your accomplishments, but I, I, I am curious why it ended up making it past the finish line when in 2014 there was so much opposition to it, primarily, I would say, from labor unions that, did, that wanted an apprenticeship requirement on it. I, I, how did it make it this time?
2: Well, the last time, it, it really wasn't a matter of, of outside forces that were opposing it. It was really internal to the council. And, and then we had, of course, Charlie Dooley was the county executive and it became a campaign issue. And we had made a proposal for a bill that was a minority inclusion bill. And frankly, I think that it was a political matter. I don't think that uh, Charlie and then allies of his on the council wanted to see that bill move forward at that time because it would have been something that I would have been able to, I, I think they saw it as something that I would have been able to claim in, in my election as I ran against him. Um, so I think it just, it really missed for, you know, the basic political situation at the time.
0: Okay, so all that's set up with uh, a number of legitimate accomplishments or things that have happened during your term.
2: Yeah, I also have to mention pension reform because that's okay. a huge one. Yes. And you've got places like Illinois where the pensions are, are frankly, driving the state and, and the governments into bankruptcy and the pension systems themselves. And we were able to reform our pension system and save $300 million and ensure pensions for, uh, for our public employees.
0: Okay, but with all that set up. That, of course, up, they've paid into. And I mean, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. Um, you are facing a primary opponent. I mean, there really isn't. I mean, there isn't a well-known Republican running. But you have a primary opponent in Mark Montavani. He has gotten the endorsements of some, particularly uh, mid-county uh, Democratic organizations. Uh, Hazel Irby, who is the number two person on the county council, has endorsed him. Probably there's been several other African-Americans. I covered the uh, news conference several weeks ago who have endorsed him. Mm -hmm. Some of this may have been left over from the Dually Contest. But still, the bottom line is, is that the Democratic Party in the county is not totally, I mean, they're not totally behind you. And there is this, like, seems to be very historic tensions between you and many of the Democrats on the county council. In fact, there's only one that you can rely on as a reliable vote. I I mean, why do you think all that has come into play and how do you think that, I mean, how do you see it going into August?
2: I think what you're looking at and the way I see it, I think that this is the reality of the situation. You know, All of the things that I've mentioned that are accomplishments, we have done with an acrimonious relationship with the council and we have still moved forward an agenda that is very much focused on benefits and the benefit to our community, and that's it. I mean, that's, that's the primary focus. That's a hard agenda to argue with. You know, when you start talking about an opioid epidemic and responding to that opioid epidemic and trying to save the lives of, our, of the members of our community, the, the brothers and the sisters and the fathers of, and, and the mothers of, of the members of our community, that's a hard proposition to argue with. So you, you, you tend to be able to move those things forward and advance those things. That's our agenda. Our, our agenda is an agenda, my agenda is an agenda of the people. So some of the things that you're talking about are inside politics. When you start talking about you know, some of the Democratic organizations that you've talked about are Democratic townships. I mean, well, why are they endorsing you
0: know, him when you've got a record like this? I mean, if be- you're looking because at it-
2: it's Because it's, it's primarily those that have sought to obstruct us moving forward um, and inside politics well you know you've got you, you you just have a leftover group of individuals from the time that I that I you know defeated Charlie Dooley um, and those individuals are political people and a lot of this is just inside baseball and inside politics now if you look at my if you look at my endorsements my endorsements are in fact real endorsements they're not stilted endorsements which is what he's receiving um, the, my real endorsements are St. Louis Labor Council endorsed me, which is basically the umbrella, the umbrella organization for every labor union, virtually every labor union in St. Louis County and in our region. The carpenters have endorsed me. The building trades have endorsed me. Uh, firefighters, to two, local 265 has endorsed me. The St. Louis County Police FOP have endorsed me, and these are just you know so, some of the, the the short list of the long list. Um, those are important endorsements, and those are not stilted endorsements. Those are endorsements that actually have individuals and groups behind them. Um, and the endorsements that I think you've seen that are coming from him are endorsements that are less than that, and they're really they're really inside, sort of inside politics endorsements. And it, and it's important because you've said you know that th- these individuals have endorsed him. I'm running against someone who's claiming to be a Democrat, and this is an individual who gave $20,000, $20,000 plus to Eric Greitens in, in the last cycle in 2016. You said
1: he was one of the largest donors, right?
2: About the 70th largest donor of I Eric I mean, Greitens.
1: isn't that kind of a misleading thing to say, though, when he took – Eric Greitens took, like, million-dollar donations and comparing it to $20,000? I'm not saying $20,000 isn't a lot of money, but well, isn't but that kind of overstating n- it a little
2: bit? Numerically, he's – if, if we've calculated it correctly, he's about Eric Wrighton's 70th donor. And, and when you talk to the... I mean, I would I would encourage you to do this. Sure. Talk to individuals in St. Louis County and talk to someone who makes $40,000 a year. And you ask them if a $20,000 donation to Eric Greitens is a large donation. It and is. I, and I will guarantee you that those individuals will but, say... But, but this gets to a that, larger that, point. That, that, that yeah. means that you didn't just... This is the importance yeah, sure, of it, though. sure. Okay. The importance of it is this. You didn't just... Throw two hundred and fifty dollars at Eric Greitens. You invested twenty thousand dollars for some reason because you believed in his candidacy and you believed in his platform. And let's just talk. Well, about, and, but let's and talk and about his kno- platform. And,
0: and Montavani well, acknowledges well, that.
2: Well, I think it requires more than acknowledgement, though, because think about what Eric Greitens ran on. Now, you know, philosophically, I'm not arguing about it. I'm just saying if you're in a Democratic primary. And you're supporting this gentleman who said that his number one priority was to make Missouri a right-to-work state. That's that is not a Democratic principle that's going to get you in the door. And in fact, it's frankly a disqualifier. It really is. And you think about all of the other platforms, that the, the, the other pieces of his platform, were all very right, very Republican. Platform. It, it, it was, this isn't a situation where you could have been fooled, and that's essentially what Manavani has, has claimed that he was fooled. There was nothing tricky about what Eric Greitens was saying in, in just 2016. But you also have to keep this in mind. He gave his last installment just nine months before declaring a candidacy against me seeking the Democratic nomination of St. Louis County for county executive
1: so, but this is a broader philosophical question. I certainly understand why you're bringing this up. And frankly, Montevani deserves scrutiny for that, for the reason you just mentioned. But you and I both know that county council and county government party affiliation has, I would argue, very little to do with how the county runs. Well, so so what, why does it matter if he is a Republican or a Democrat? And, and shouldn't it be more on whether he can run the county or not?
2: and I disagree with you greatly I think that party affiliation is important because I think with party affiliation you you understand where a person's coming from and you understand what are going to be the planks of his platform it's not just that he gave twenty thousand dollars to Eric Greitens. I supported President Barack Obama I, I ran on the ticket with him two times and I was very very proud to do that while I was running on a ticket with Barack Obama of the same party my opponent gave to President Obama's Republican opponents in both races in 2008 and in 2012, Monovani supported Rudy Giuliani for president in 2008 by giving him money, and then supported John Huntsman for president in 2012. And coincidentally, both of these gentlemen now work for President Trump. One is his lawyer, and one is an is an ambassador. Um, and you look at the other Republicans that he gave to. It just isn't simply Eric Greitens, and it's not just it's not just opposing Barack Obama. It's yeah. it's it it becomes I think very important to understand where this. It, anyone can say anything. I mean, Mark Montavani can sit on your show and say that he's for all of these democratic principles. Yeah. But in fact, you look at the history of what he's given to and who he's given to and who he has supported. I mean, in just two thousand seventeen in February, he would not say who he supported in the in, in in the Clinton Trump race. He wouldn't say that he didn't vote for Donald okay. Trump.
0: But the broader issue, I think, though, is. I'm, he hasn't run for office before so mm. is there I mean if I were you I mean would you be honing in maybe more on whether or not he knows how to run county council or knows how to run the county knows how to make sure that there's waste management contracts yeah all because I mean I
1: and mean, to just piggyback on Joe's point as a new county resident I care about, like, whether I'm getting county services. I care about whether the county roads are doing well. I care about whether the departments are operating well. Not And, and, and party affiliation has very little to do with that. So I know you just answer, tried to answer my question, but I really don't feel like you answered it. Yeah. Like, why does it matter? Well, I really
2: don't think it does. Well, I think it does matter when you look at something like, um, look at something like how you're going to – Fix our pension system. Okay, I think that a Republican and a Democrat may have different approaches to how they fix that 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 pension system. When you balance the budget, how do you balance the budget? Do you, do you balance the budget on the backs of poor people? Do you balance the budget on the backs of the disadvantaged, or do you try to have a different approach? You know, and I think that there are going to be different approaches from a Democrat and a Republican, from someone on the right and someone on the left. And I think that that's and I think, and I understand you, you, we all want those basic services delivered on time. But the question is, sometimes priorities have to be addressed when we're talking about even the basic delivery of services. You know, getting your trash there on time might require a budget cut somewhere. And where's that budget cut kind of going to come from? We've seen in the state level of government, I mean, you, you, you have basic services being delivered by the state as well, but we understand that, you know, look look at Medicaid cuts and look at the failure to expand Medicaid. Well, there's a reason for that because there's a, there's a party approach to that and there is a definite party affiliation difference. And that same thing applies in, in, in county government as well.
0: Do you think, I mean, aside from the question of whether or not you're, I mean, because it used to be people would, well, they still do, they attack career politicians, but then the other hand, you've got, we've had a string of business people up from the Washington on down they don't always know how to sure. run and, uh, run government. Yeah and,
1: and we can
2: talk about that as well. And I, mean, I pose
1: that question to Montevani pretty sharply but yeah, I'd like to hear you. Yeah I mean one of on the that.
2: things I would say is let's look at history and look at recent history. We have a president who had no experience in government and I would say that uh, for those of us who are Democrats I don't think we see that working out very well and we have uh, a governor who who had no previous experience in government and um, you know, I don't think that Democrats and probably a lot of Republicans see that working out very well either. So I think that experience does matter. And you know, I was on the St. Louis County Council for six years prior to being county executive. And I am the current county executive. And I've been, I think, running the government extraordinarily well for the last three and a half years. And I've been doing so um, with Democratic principles in my heart and in my mind.
0: Well, do you think Republicans are secretly helping Montevani?
2: You know, not that I've – not that I – I'll tell you this. I don't think that there is – I don't think he's he's receiving perhaps what he wants, but I do believe that uh, he is receiving help from Republicans. I think that this is in part – I think Republicans have realized that they are not going to win in a general election for county executive because our county has trended so far to the Democratic. And I believe that Mark Montevani represents – An individual who is receiving support from the Republicans because they don't believe that he can win in the general. So they're helping him in the primary. And that bears itself out really with his contributors. You know, Dave Spence, you know, a very much a a right to work governor candidate from the past has given him, you know, at least ten thousand dollars. And if you look at many of his donors, they're of that ilk. So yes, I do believe that he is receiving support from Republicans, but I you know, if you look at his fundraising. He has given himself a million dollars, at least a million dollars, actually over a million dollars. And he's had, I think I think he's not been a prolific fundraiser. In fact, I think he's been a somewhat ineffective fundraiser, which is why he's had to fund most of his campaign. But the money that he did receive was actually from, from Republicans, much of it.
1: I wanted you to respond to a couple of points that he made on our podcast. The first is actually the second clip that I have on the playlist. Where he talks about your aforementioned relationship with the Saint Louis County Council, I'm going to play this clip and then use this as a springboard for discussion.
3: Clearly, uh, the the current uh, occupant of the office' uh, relationships with the county council is beyond challenged. Right? It's wholly dysfunctional. Right? Uh, which which I think is ironic that you talk about how great it is to have people who are experienced in light of the fact that the relationship today is so totally dysfunctional. Uh, with the county council. As a practical matter, I would aspire to having a very strong county council. I would wish to empower them. I'd wish to give them the resources they need to do their job better.
1: And and keep in mind, the majority of this four-person coalition, the Sam Page, Rochelle Walton Gray, Hazel Irby, Ernie Trakis, most of them are Democrats. And for whatever reasons that they have, they have been very, very, very critical of your leadership and your temperament, which I'm, I've asked you about many times. And I, I think it's going to be a problem even if you win reelection because they're all still going to be there. And then you have the likely addition of Tim Fitch, who I could see just using his four years to attack you, potentially to run for county executive in 2022. So how is this situation going to get better if you're re-elected? Because I don't see it getting better. I see it getting worse.
2: I would say this. I am elected not by the county council. I'm elected by the people of St. Louis County. And what I have done is done my very best to have an agenda that is for the people of St. Louis County, and that's an agenda. I mean, look at the things that I've talked about that we've accomplished despite the acrimony. And I would posit to you this. I think that anyone who occupies this office is going to have the same issues that I have had with the county council because if you have a true leader... In this office sometimes you have to say no you know Mark Tucker uh, the auditor candidate that they moved forward and uh, that a majority the same majority that you're talking about um, brought him to be the county auditor uh, I opposed that I opposed it because the charter requires five years of accounting experience and he had none and now we have an auditor who really hasn't completed he just simply hasn't completed an audit in what I believe is now over a year. We haven't had an audit in St. Louis County. Now we do have an annual audit, but that's done by an outside auditor. And we should have the benefit, the St. Louis Countians should have the benefit of having an auditor that audits. And so that's something that I have opposed. And if that is uh, indicative of a particular temperament, then I'd rather have that temperament than a temperament that is uh, so conciliatory that I'm going to go along with something like that. I mean, the things that I have opposed have been things like, you know, one of the council members trying to basically uh, place an obstacle in front of redeveloping Jamestown Mall. Well, that, that's not going to work. The community wants to see Jamestown Mall rehabilitated. So I'm going to do everything I need to do, you know, um, to, ha- to get that done. And if it requires saying no to the council, then that's what I have to do. So, I think that anyone who truly wishes to lead is going to have that type of acrimony. And I think that, uh, you know, this isn't about pointing fingers at anyone, but I, I think that this is just a natural consequence of where we are in politics. I mean, we have the same issue in the city. We have the same issue in Jackson County. We have the same issue in Kansas City. We're seeing more of a tension, for whatever reason, within our state and I think nationally between the legislature. Yeah. and the executive branch and i, and, and I, I think it's just I, an natural and it's something i can do I,
1: I will just say though your your predecessor in st louis city uh lida krewson has forged decent relationships with some older older people especially in north city where she got literally five or ten percent of the vote so i understand that there's different interests and they don't agree on everything i know she's just vetoing the ward reduction thing which i know the black caucus doesn't like but it seems like she's done a reasonably effective job at working with her opposition, whereas, and, and maybe this isn't completely your fault. Maybe it's because they, the other council people don't like your agenda or whatnot, but you compare the two situations, it seems like you're in a worse position than her. Well, it? I,
2: I, I, and I disagree with you on, on this part. Look at our agenda and look at what we've passed. You know, I just gave you a very short list of what would be accomplishments for the people of St. Louis County. Those are things that we we, we had to have moved through the council, and they moved through the council. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think now we have encountered obstacles in you know in every direction as you know mm-hmm. from the council, but we have passed those things. So mm-hmm. I, once again, I, I think that you know seeing the acrimony. Um, you know perhaps could cause you to believe what, what, you're, what you're thinking but uh, the but the, the results I think say otherwise
0: okay cuz I'd like to shift to a couple issues because we can get politically junky I'm as yeah. bad as anybody okay Northwest Plaza sure which is kinda of the big elephant in the room Um that's the thing that Montavani and others have been pointing to in part because um while everyone agrees that something needed to be done because it had been pretty much emptied out, um, you did receive rather large six-figure uh, campaign donations from the developers. And and as a result, in fact, Irby said she returned some of the donations she got from them, uh, even though she supported the redevelopment just because she feared that politics played a role in it. Do you want to talk about... I mean, because it seems to really caused a split even though everybody agrees something had to be done.
2: I will say this. Look at the result and the result, first let's look at the result. The result is a redeveloped Northwest Plaza. Um, the county chose, it was by a five to one vote of the St. Louis County Council. We chose to do a, a 20 year lease to anchor ourselves there so that more redevelopment and further redevelopment could take place because we were a steady tenant. Um, the plaza being redeveloped supports 2,500 jobs, over 250 million dollars in economic activity, and you know, since we, you know we took office, um, that's a dramatic, that is a dramatic result in an area and in a mall that was once dilapidated, and it's now been redeveloped. Now, with respect to the campaign contributions. The campaign contributions are, once again, we have to remember, those are contributions to a campaign for re-election or for whatever it is, but it's re-election in my case. I'm not personally ingratiated by any of those campaign contributions. They're simply campaign contributions. I operate within the same system that everyone else operates. Um, I have operated within that system lawfully and ethically. As you would look at my ethics commission record, it's unblemished. Um, And, you know, it it has been, once again, a positive development for our community, independent of those contributions. And if you look at the lease that was entered into, um, the lease that we entered into is very similar to the leases that the other corporate interests that have chosen Northwest Plaza. It's very similar to those leases. Um, The lease is, I think, currently at about $18 a square foot with all charges included which is right at the average for north county so we have an average lease space rate and we have an extraordinary space we have class a office space at at northwest plaza and that and that office space is not just used for our employees but it's where our it's where our our citizens transact their business for all of the departments in st louis county right there Um, so it is once again it's a great benefit to our community it's been a great benefit to the surrounding area, and it was done so very much independent of any campaign contributions. It was the very best spot that we could find. There was a competitive process. Uh, many pro- many properties were looked at. This was the best for price and location and all of the amenities that our citizens require to transact their business.
0: But what about, okay, there's, there's leases that the county is still paying on now for buildings where you're not at because people have moved... Into Northwest Plaza, and in fact, Trachis, your the councilman from your old district, is you know been calling for trying to lead some sort of investigation into these leases. Yeah. So. And,
2: and I'll tell you, with respect to the other leases, when we relocated all of our facilities, and you have to understand, we're, we're a county of five hundred and twenty square miles, roughly. We have facilities everywhere, and we had leases that were, you know, frankly all over the place. So we did our very best. To bring all those leases to a common point, but but we didn't enter into those leases. Those leases existed before I came, so in some cases we had very small overlap, like of months, okay. where we had to get out of one lease and and move into Northwest Plaza. Currently, we only have one lease space, that and only one, that uh, that that was unoccupied for some time, but it was largely unoccupied because it was uninhabitable. We have since. We rehab that space, and that space is going to be. I mean, you have to remember we have so many facilities, and we have spatial needs already, you know, and, and that were current, that we needed to fill, and we're filling that with some basic, some basic services to the community, and most importantly, a police precinct that is going to house a, a new police unit from Proposition P, and we're going to be announcing that in the in the in the weeks to come. So that space will not only be occupied, but it will be a space that is of the highest use and I think a great investment for North St. Louis County.
1: I do want you to respond, though, to what Montavanti said about this, because I feel like this is going to come up during the campaign over the next few months. And he made some pretty serious charges and accusations toward you, which I feel like you deserve to respond to.
3: If it's demonstrable that the leases in Northwest Plaza were a consequence of illegal activity, bribery, and the like, I believe those leases are voidable. You can't profit from illegal activity.
1: Is that what you're alleging? Do you think that the county executive took bribes for that to happen?
3: I clearly believe there's a uh, pay-for-play relationship here. Absolutely, I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't? You think that $375,000 is just. I'm not, saying, I'm not just saying you don't.
1: But that's a serious allegation. And I, mean, I want so Do I, you I think,
0: think that the uh, circuit attorney Bob McCullough should be investigated? Or prosecutor Bob McCullough? Pro- yeah, prosecutor. I apologize. Prosecutor Bob McCullough.
3: Of course, this should be investigated. Of course. I mean, it, it's written about, uh, it's talked about, uh, everybody in the community talks about this. People laugh about it. They call it the Glarner Mall. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, this should be investigated.
1: What's your response?
2: You know, some of his comments aren't really even. Uh, I think they're they're below responding to, um, and and you know I think what he needs to keep in mind is that I'm a public figure and uh, he has certain protections you know uh, you know against me, but you know he's also talking about private individuals. Um, you know, as I said before, I operate within the same system that everyone else operates within, and that is public campaign contributions. All of the all of the contributions that I receive. Were reported properly and openly, and I've discussed them with you know the news media, and I've discussed them frankly with anybody who wants to talk about them, and I'll talk about them in any depth that you would like to talk about them, you know. In, but I think that it makes for a great you know campaign issue for him, or so he thinks. Yeah, uh, and it gives him something to talk about in his campaign. Beyond that, um, I think you just have to look at what the benefit is to the community, and you have to understand that. Uh, that these are frankly, uh, you know, they're publicly reported campaign contributions that do not personally ingratiate me. They go to a campaign fund which is separate and apart from any other fund. And it's, uh, you know, th- it's just used for re-election.
1: As much as I would want to just go back through the back and forth, I do want to use the rest of the show to delve into some issues. Yeah. Um, and in, in particular, and this is something I asked you before, and this is something I asked Montevani. Um, you know, we've been talking about city county merger, reunification, or whatever you want to call it for years as an issue during your first campaign. It seems like the process is getting more serious because Better Together is doing kind of town halls about what uh, the future St. Louis and St. Louis County want to be. Uh, since I asked Monavani that, I want to ask you, like, what is kind of your uh, p- philosophy on that issue, which may become less philosophical and more real in your second term?
2: Yeah, well, some months ago, I endorsed a study that Better Together was and is conducting, uh, led by uh, three civic leaders. Uh, the, the leader of that group is Suzanne Sitherwood from, yeah. from Spire. And um, it's a study that is basically looking at the approximately $700 million to $1 billion that is essentially being wasted on a yearly basis because of our fragmented government.
0: Because of duplication?
2: It's it's multiple things. It's duplication, it's fragmentation, it's um, multiple layers of government, which sort of goes to duplication as well. And uh, I endorse that study because I think the conversation is very serious. And what will come from this study is very much needed data and a menu of options and sort of options in degree as to how far we want to go and exactly what we want to do as a community to address this potential billion-dollar cost issue. So I think it's very important in that respect. I do believe, though, that at this point it's highly premature to have one particular method as to how you want you know to see this this go forward. You know, I think that when um, when Monomani was on your show, mm-hmm. I think, or on your podcast, excuse me. You
1: could call it a show. I, 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 I don't care. I'm not offended either way, but, but continue. <laughs> sure, sure. Probably an I don't, honor know. I to don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to offend anyone. I'm super offended by the, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. We needed a little bit of a, a light, a light okay. after the serious yeah. question, but yeah. continue. Oh, no,
2: and I appreciate your questions very much. Uh, but but I, I think that it, it's, it's far too premature to, you know, he was suggesting that you make uh, St. Louis County a, um, excuse me, St. Louis City, just another municipality of St. Louis County, and, and there are a host of issues that come along with that. And I think that that you need to look at that, and it's not just, you, you can't make such an important decision, and I think this comes from some of that lack of experience that we talked about in government. You can't make that kind of a, of a decision uh, as a campaign, essentially a campaign slogan or a campaign idea. It, it's it's far beyond that. Um, there are many impacts governmentally. You know, we have a budget in St. Louis County that is extraordinarily tight. I mean, it's tight. And whatever decision we make, it has to be a decision where there's essentially a multiplier and, and not a detractor and, and, and not a subtraction that occurs. Um, so I think, uh, you know, it's really important that the study is completed and it's really important that we look at that. As I said when I first ran, quantitatively and qualitatively it's extremely important so I think we're far from um, having one solution at this moment but I think we need to look at this menu of options and make the best decision with our community and it has to be a deliberative decision
0: now I'm gonna come back to the council business just briefly because there's an issue that's looming that I kinda covered a lot over the last few months and Jason's covered it some as well Um, this has to do with prop P Where who got the raises and who didn't I mean, I'm going to simplify it, but the bottom line is while It did go to police. It also went to some support personnel. Yes, so you've got some Situations because I've been listening to the the public comment period at council meetings for I mean for months sure Okay, since that in some cases you would have people who sit next to each other one Mm -hmm. person would get the 16 percent raise The other person, uh, at least the way they were describing it, doing the same job but maybe having a slightly different um, job classification, didn't. Then you had the nurses, which are um, these nurses that serve the prisoners in the Justice Center, and while technically they're employed by the health department, um, I think the council ended up using some Prop P money to give them the raises. They've been beefing about this for months. You have now vetoed that.
1: I don't think it's a veto, but you basically said that this law is unenforceable and you're not going to do it.
0: Right. So here's my question, because I was at the council meeting where you told the nurses point blank that you were going to and you've encouraged uh, Councilwoman Irby to come up with a bill. Mm -hmm. And you said, you know, you were willing to solve this. You really understood their situation. So can you explain kind of what your stance is now and what are you going to do about it?
2: Joe, first, you did a great job of explaining something <laughs> that is extraordinarily complex. She, and she's really, very good. I at mean, that. it really is, and it, and it, you got it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I did, and I meant it, and I and I followed. I followed through on what I promised. Uh, I presented the, the the council presented me with uh, a bill that I believe is unenforceable. And I now, believe, this is
0: using Prop P, man. That's correct. right.
2: And, and you know, we made a promise to voters with respect to Prop P, and that we promised that we would utilize the money on police and public safety and one of the issues that we have with what was proposed by the council is that we have a charter provision and we have we have we have, we have, we have provisions in the law of St. Louis County in our ordinances that basically provide that if you have health workers health workers have to be paid out of the health fund so what the council basically did is said, oh well, we'll provide Prop P funds to the health fund, and then it will, it'll be somehow cleansed, or um, it kind of almost laundered, and I think that's inappropriate. I don't think you can do that. Um, so now you have to understand this isn't Steve Stenger versus the council, as many of these issues aren't, and we talked about that acrimony. This is Steve Stenger and a whole lot of people in our community, frankly, the business community that supported. The passage of Prop P thinks this is a terrible idea. The FOP, which is the police union, I was just going to uh, say, they yeah. also believe that this is a terrible idea. So this isn't Steve Stenger. This is Steve Stenger representing the public. And I think if you talk to the public about how they feel about the utilization of Proposition P money in this way, I don't think they would be very happy about it. You know, you talked about Tim Fitch previously. Yeah. Well. the chief, The former police yeah, chief. Yeah. Former police chief. Tim Fitch has taken a very clear position on this that he doesn't think that it's appropriate either. So this isn't just me. This is a situation where we have – and I and I said this to Colleen Wassinger the other night, Councilwoman Wassinger. I said, you know, I respectfully disagree with your position. I think reasonable minds can differ. Um, but this is one where I'm, I'm going to have to stick to my guns. And, and, I you know, I made a promise to the people – uh, of St. Louis County about Prop P and I, I don't want to violate it. Yeah, but you
0: also made a promise to the nurses to get them the money. So how I, do you, well, how, I, were, how are you going to do that?
2: Well, I did. And and I and I have provided the method and the means to do that. I presented the council with two separate bills. One bill provides Proposition P fund for the funds for the correction workers and the other provides health funds for the nurses. In the exact amounts that the council asked for for the raises, because I believe they, I, I truly believe in my heart that they deserve the raise. I, I really do. But it can't be taken from Prop P, and that health fund has. I said the other night it was about 12 to 15 million. I think it's closer to 15 million in that fund, and we are making changes to our health department and making it much more efficient than it was in the past. We've already made dramatic changes. And um, we will be able to support those raises through the health fund.
1: Isn't the problem, though, that public safety wasn't defined strictly enough in Prop P? That's been a common criticism of people even like likely Councilman Fitch, that it should have been defined more tightly.
2: I think that the debate that we're having in the council right now is a healthy debate. Um, I think that the people of St. Louis County elected the council and the people of St. Louis County elected me. And they elected us to make these types of decisions. And hey, look, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, attention uh, that's between the executive branch and the legislative branch. I think some of that is because we're in a transformational period right now in St. Louis County, and we have a lot of different directions that we could go. And I think that that's sensed probably by the council, it's sensed by me, and we have a very healthy, and I think it's healthy. It's part of democracy. If we always agreed. Think about what you'd be asking me today. You'd be saying, hey, the council agrees with you 90% of the time. Yeah. Don't you think that we need a divergence of opinion? Yeah. I think you'd be saying well, that you, to you, me. You're, you know? you're, you're very
1: likely. I, now, <laughs> well, but
2: well, you would. You, I think you'd uh, say, oh, and Stinger has control of the council it's and he's true. doing these things. You would. And It
1: was at the beginning of your term when you had right. more
2: people. Right. So I, well, get, it, I get it both ways. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what to say. To, to be say. fair,
0: I mean, one thing I do want to make clear to our listeners, and I did a feature on this a couple months ago, uh, talking about the acrimony council but pointing out that the county executive has far more powers than the mayor of the city of st louis so in other words you can veto stuff more you have more control over the budget which means you have more power but then also gives you more responsibility and you're bigger target tar- target to get sure slapped absolutely at. Well,
2: well that's i think that's just a feature of leadership you know it's why you when you take the job and, and my wife has asked me you know are you sure you want to run again you know i mean she's asked me that question and she very much supports my run but she's asked me you know I mean, we, you as a leader you you take a lot of hits you know look at northwest plaza and i talked about the tremendous results that we've seen for the community we're going to take hits and you just take those hits and there's going to be there's going to be something to say about everything for northwest plaza it's you know campaign contributions for you know, some other matter, it's going to be something else. And we just have to deal with those issues and you move on.
1: All right. I want to, in the last few minutes, I want to deal.
0: I got two questions uh, I want to ask, but go ahead.
1: Okay. Because <laughs> I want to you know. go I want to go through <laughs> these charter amendments that you have vetoed. Because, um, and we've talked about these on previous shows. Sure. One of them involves a legal counsel for the, the county council, which they're not allowed to have under the charter. You vetoed that. There's another that effectively... Involves like allowing council members to have independent contracting arrangements with local governments. I'm, I'm describing it very generally. You vetoed yes. that, and you told us before the show you vetoed one establishing campaign contribution limits as well.
0: Yeah, in fact, that was one of my questions. Well, there yeah. you go, Joe. We See, we're, we're on about the it. comment
2: page. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the campaign yes, contribution. I would love first. to. So, with respect to the campaign contribution, um, and, and it does much more than that, and that's part of the problem. I, I agree. Okay, so campaign contribution limits I can tell you that I disdain I have disdain for our system and I said or, you know previously I operate within the same system that everybody yes. operates within I got to tell you it's a miserable system and I think for any public servant I've not known one that likes to pick up the phone and ask someone for money for their re-election effort it's, it's just for their election effort it's tough it's it's very difficult it's uncomfortable. And no one really likes to do it. To have twenty six hundred dollar limits, I think is a great idea. Okay?
0: Well that's the well that's the state limit and that's right. for the state offices but and also for the legislative sure. offices. But, but, the, but, but,
2: but the, not for county or municipal right. offices. Correct. But the, but the problem, one of the problems with the bill is that it doesn't address the system of the candidate who can give himself or herself unlimited amounts of money. So I mean so that to me is a it's a, it's a big issue. I,
0: but the U.S. Supreme Court ruled several decades ago, because this came up, that, uh, that you cannot bar people from putting in their own money.
2: Well, I think, I, mean, it, I think it has to address the issue in some way. And, I mean, we're just talking about a bare $2,600 limit that it's, that's placed on it. And if you look at the state law that's similar – I mean, the state law is 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 much more much more comprehensive than the than, oh, yeah. the, than the law that's and, been and proposed it's been, by and the it's county been, council. There's
1: been so many end-arounds that yeah. law, and then and I yeah. I, I told Hazel Irby, and I'll tell you now: if that becomes law, people will find endarounds yeah.
2: that. I mean, it just doesn't provide. I'll, and and I, I just mentioned that as one issue, you know, the, the right. self funder issue. I mean, you've also got every other way that you can get around that law. What it's going to do is just basically create for any candidate who wants to run for county executive or some other office you know end around around it you know not the least of which is something that I think I heard the evil genius or maybe the oh. just the just the the intelligent genius uh Jason Rosenbaum. and I'm going to play that
1: right now <laughs> I was talking with councilman Sam Page about this issue so on the last podcast I talked about the Admittingly, not super likely scenario under the current Amendment 2 system that people would give you a lot of money and then you would essentially become a conduit for independent expenditures, which has actually happened on a smaller scale. I want to just mention that. But this was a problem that I see. with. But the, it's
0: it's legal. We it is want to legal. It's clear.
1: It's legal. This is a problem that I foresee with this particular charter amendment. This is uh, my question to Sam Page. Is there anybody stopping anything stopping a candidate for county council or county executive from saying I'm running for let's say Creek Poor Mayor, raising a million dollars from that and then switching over or using that money as independent expenditures for a county race under this amendment?
3: I you know, I am sure that very bright people will try and find a way to undermine the intent of this amendment, but I think it's the right next step.
1: So the answer is yes. Someone no, could
3: do that. I, I cannot answer your question. I cannot imagine all the hypothetical end-runs around campaign contribution limits. We've seen them at the state level, we've seen them at the federal level, and we've seen some that we never imagined. And I, I can't possibly anticipate all of those. But I do think that the proposal that we hope to place before the voters is the right first step.
0: Okay. Now, you know, it, will bring
3: us, it will bring us in line with, with state government.
0: Now, Jason's sitting here like the bird who ate the canary, or the cat who <laughs> ate the canary. Sorry, uh, I like cats. But, uh, but the, because this was an issue that arose with the statewide limits, although the Missouri Ethics Commission said you can't do that. But with the county uh, proposal, the Ethics Commission wouldn't be the one governing are, this, are the more
1: likely scenario is they would use one of those city or municipal committees raise a lot of money ship it to a PAC or 501c4 and this would likely only happen for county executive races mm-hmm. you don't need to spend two million dollars in county council races but that's just one of many ways yeah. you could get around this so, basically right
2: so, yeah and so I, I i just think placing that as a charter amendment that basically can't be modified except by another charter amendment i think that that is just a mistake i think i think you have to have a comprehensive bill you have to have a comprehensive law that at least seeks to avoid some of those scenarios so i can't support it but i will tell you this the bill has another aspect of it that is really somewhat misleading from what the title of the of the of the of the proposal actually is and that is it it essentially gives the county council unbridled authority to make modifications and changes and deletions and omissions and additions and subtractions and 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 even transfers of appropriated funds and that is something that that the that this seeks to this proposal seeks to do in complete violation of the separation of powers uh, that is that is basically set forth in our state constitution and is just part of our democracy essentially giving one branch of government you know, you know, cur- you know uh, total authority over this particular area. Currently, I can make certain requests of the council, and they can either turn it up or turn it down. But this would give the council, it, it completely eliminates the executive branch from the equation and just gives all of that decision-making authority to the county council, which I think is extremely dangerous from, from a taxpayer, um, you know, overwatch perspective.
0: Well would not this also generate legal fights because there have been court cases in the past just on the basis that there's too many different things in one yes. bill I oh, mean yeah. in other words yeah. that this is advertised as one thing and then you've got something totally unrelated stuck in it I've seen that in Jeff City a million times yes. or then the then the bill gets tossed out of Joe in court. I think
2: you're right and I don't think that the bill would survive legal challenge on that basis we'll see you know i I don't know you know how that'll move forward but that is one that uh, I, I you know I felt compelled to veto because of those issues that I've talked about.
1: All right, final. And that's once again, yep,
0: a yep. disagreement with it's the not council. The final question. <laughs> not my but, final question.
1: but one I think is a okay. good one. Um, Zoo tax. It's on the ballot in November. What's your thought on it?
2: Well, I am very much in favor of putting it on the ballot and letting letting our our citizens decide that important issue. And I think that if if it were to move forward, I think that uh, it could have some exciting impacts on our, on our county, I mean you're, you're talking about a development that would occur in, in North County which uh, desperately needs that type of development. It's right there in the Spanish Lake area and uh, it could really use, you know, that, that area of unincorporated North St. Louis County really could use a shot in the arm and it's something that, uh, as I've said, as I pointed to some of the things that we've been trying to redevelop in North St. Louis County, you know, Northwest Plaza, Jamestown Mall, those are things that are really important, and this is another one that could be really important for the area.
0: Yeah, I because mean, basically the pipe fitters, correct, would, mm-hmm. would be selling a lot of their property to the zoo. I mean, yeah. uh, and, and that would be used for like some sort of safari thing. Yes. Um, did it surprise you that? I mean, because there was this big debate over in South County for quite a while about what to do with Grant's Farm, if that might end up being with the zoo. Now that may not, so if since they're doing this. Um, any thoughts about? Whether or not, with all the stuff going on, that it's time to ask some of the other county's residents to pony up admissions? You,
1: you read my mind, Joe. What do you <laughs> think? <laughs> you know,
2: as a, as a general policy matter, you know, I'm going to leave that up to the people of St. Louis County to decide how they feel about that. I, you know, I can only speak to it from the perspective of I really want to see something good happen. You know, and we've seen good things happen in North County. We've got, as I talked about, we have North Park. That's a, that's a North County development. We've got great things happening at Boeing. And these are all things that my administration has supported. We've got Jamestown Mall that's on the cusp of being redeveloped right now. There's a developer that's interested, uh, that, that responded to the RFP, that wants to put six, basically 600 new jobs there, um, a training center for locals. There's a minority inclusion piece for, for, the, for, the, for the build out, and they want to make a, 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 a tens of millions of dollar investment in, in North County right there at Jamestown Mall, which is incredible for, for North County once again. When I see something like this breeding facility and the safari facility, I, I, you know, I can't help but be excited for it and think that it's, uh, you know, that it's a good
0: idea. Now, I want to shift. Well, this is my final question. All right. Okay, because I just came from Jefferson Jefferson City, where last week, among the things that the uh, uh, General Assembly did was move the right-to-work referendum from November to August. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I, I don't. I know that the Republican leaders didn't have this in mind, but I have a theory that actually, while they wanted to not have not use the referendum to help Democrats on the general election ballot, notably uh, U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill. My theory is, while this was unintended, if it's on the August ballot, it actually could make the right-to-work referendum a key issue in your primary contest with Montevani. I'm just curious to see, A, how you see it. Is it something that might help you since you have all this union support? Or might it make it so that the issue is bigger than the contest and the other matters that you were talking about?
2: You know, I uh, I come from a, a long line of, uh, of union members. My dad was a CWA union lineman for Bell <clears throat> and then AT&T. I saw firsthand what my father's union job did for our family. My grandfather was a union electrician for the railroad. My grandfather's father was a union railroadman. So my family is, you know, a family that you know, comes home from work with their work, you know, essentially on them. And uh, my dad did that for 42 years at Bell. So I consider union members, my brothers and sisters, And when I see them in a plight like the one that they're in, I want to help. And, uh, you know, if that fight is on in August, I can tell you I'm going to fight like hell to uh, do everything I can to uh, defeat, you know, Proposition A and to keep right to work, um, you know, away from from Missouri. I think it's a big mistake. Do I think that could help uh, my election? Look, you know, these are people that I have a lot of camaraderie with. And people that I'm, these are not just supporters. These are people that, like I said, I I'm I'm, I'm with 100%, and these are individuals that I consider quite literally brothers and sisters. So, are we going to fight in the trenches together? Yeah, I think so. So uh, I think that for anyone challenging me in this race, I uh, I think they're going to have a problem.
1: And this is actually an issue that does affect county government because oftentimes labor unions are part of. Construction contracts. It, at the, it the does,
2: deal. and I got to tell you, you know, when we have union members doing the work, it's done once, it's done on time, it's done well. We have an ex, we, we have we have a phenomenal workforce in the state of Missouri, and a and a big reason for that is union training, and uh, all of the uh, requirements that they place upon their workers, and the great wages that they earn, and the workers that they're able to attract to do those jobs are excellent. I mean, you can just look at just look at the Centene project, mm-hmm. you know. Just look at the Pfizer project. Um, you know, look at the projects that we have in St. Louis County that are that are built uh, by union members. They're 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 done well and on time.
0: Now, running the county with the General Assembly is now gone after the prevailing wage, uh, also a, against project labor agreements. Does that affect how you deal with labor unions when you're dealing with these major contracts?
2: You know, no. I, I think that. Um, I think that what what we've what we have is we have a process in St. Louis County where we have a procure. Are you talking about the actual procurement process?
0: Well, the fact that now, I mean, because some of these used to be part of the thinking as far as what the what the uh, wage would be or what sort of con- how the contractor was going to be dealing with the subcontractors. Um, does this uh, the changes in state law affect you? I guess that's probably a better way of putting it.
2: Well. I don't know if they affect the actual operations of, of government, but I can tell you they impact me personally because I think that uh, I think my, my focus is on what it does to the worker. And uh, you know, when you're talking about a family that's earning you know uh, 20 some odd dollars an hour versus eight dollars an hour for doing the same job, that's a different family and that's a different experience and that's a different life experience. So that's what I focus on.
1: I would be remiss if I didn't ask you what your favorite animal is at the St. Louis Zoo.
2: My favorite animal?
1: Because I've asked every other county official that question. <laughs> so I feel like you deserve to, I think the people of St. Louis County deserve to know.
2: I got to be honest with you. Um, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I like the penguins. Okay. You know, they're my favorite. They, they were, you know, they they're, <laughs> they're, they're And they're my daughter's favorite as well.
0: Well, I mean, you you sing on the side, and I can see where a lot of penguins together kind of remind one of a rock group or something. What? A singing group. What are you talking about? (laughs) Joe. I don't know about that. i got to be honest. (laughs) Well, giraffes are my favorite. And mine are the hippos, as I've said. On that note.
1: Oh, thank, man. You, thank you so much for coming in today and <laughs> and and, and uh, talking about your re-election and your vision for the county. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow Joe on Twitter at...
0: J Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S.
1: How would people follow you on Twitter or any other parts of the World Wide Web? Uh, at Steve Stenger. We'll be back next time. Until then, You will succeed.